millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days, you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello, and welcome to the Ghibliotech, the podcast that sails through the sea of films from the world's greatest animation studio, Studio Ghibli. I'm Michael Leader, and I've seen the lot of them. And I'm Jake Cunningham, and I'm almost halfway through. So join us on our quest into the glorious world of Ghibli. Jake, you say you're almost halfway through. This is true. This is your 12th Studio Ghibli film in the Ghibliotech. I know. Time has flown by. I've been plucking these off the shelves, having a lovely time. It's also the end of your second semester. Yeah. Yep. Um, hopefully graduating with at least maybe a 2-1 or something here from you, my esteemed librarian. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll see. That, that'll be in the post shortly. But today, mm. we're back with Hei Miyazaki, ending this season on a bang mm. with one of his big films, his latter-day hits, yeah. Ponyo. Are you excited? I'm very excited about this one. I have only heard brilliant things. A magical fish called Brunhilde breaks out of her wizard father's underwater hideaway and makes a break for the world above. There she is discovered by a young lad called Sosuke, who names her Ponyo. Her father soon recaptures her, but she raids his pantry of potions and transforms into a little girl, returning to Sosuke and sampling the delights of the human world, not least the joy of sliced ham. However, her escape has disrupted the natural balance between sea and land, and a terrifying tsunami floods the surrounding village. Is the love that's growing between Ponyo and Sosuke enough to restore the natural order? So, Michael, the last that we heard from Miyazaki, chronologically speaking at least, was the film that opened this current series of Ghibliotech. It was Howl's Moving Castle. And I'm wondering, where have we gone from there to here? What's Miyazaki in the studio been up to? Sure, sure. So, Howl's Moving Castle was a huge hit. And after that, the producer, Toshio Suzuki, suggests that Miyazaki make a movie for children, which he hadn't actually really done since My Neighbor Totoro. Yeah, I'm, and I'd, I'd be very excited if I was a Ghibli fan. Exactly, yes. But then Miyazaki decides that after this very fertile period from Spirited Away onwards, that they were going to take a bit more of a backseat. He's going to take it easy. He's going to go off and spend a couple of years simmering away, trying to find some ideas. He's inspired by Hans Christian Andersen's 
story of the Little Mermaid, and also a summer he spends in the port town of Tominora in the Sito inland sea region. So he's simmering away from about November 2004 to mid-2006 when production starts on Ponyo. And as always, there are many goals set for the production. But there's a very ambitious one here. After Housemoving Castle in particular, Miyazaki wanted all of the drawings to be done by hand. And this was going to be a return to traditional hand-drawn animation. So no computer animation that crept into the process over the years and created these very beautiful films like Housemoving Castle. And Miyazaki himself was going to get back drawing. Um, in, In particular, he wanted to create, to render water and waves in the sea. Okay. And so at this point, had he kind of been delegating the actual animation process to other people? This is so after the mid-90s, when Yoshifumi Kondo dies of an aneurysm part due to to overwork during the, the making of Princess Monokyo just after. And that's when Miyazaki decides to take a step back and not be as hands-on as a filmmaker. He's still drawing a lot. He's still mm. doing all the concept art and so on, but he's delegating. But in this one, he wanted to be hands-on. Um, we love talking about the directorial memoranda. There's mm. one from June 2006 for this, where he states an hidden intent to revolutionise 2D animation. And there are these great statements about experimenting with the craft. He says, the ocean is a living presence. By distorting normal space and contorting normal shapes, the sea is animated not as a backdrop to the story, but as one of its principal characters. While decreasing the lines and the character designs, I want to increase the number of drawings for movement. Discard the idea that action is drawn in three frames. Unless Ponyo and Sosuke move, they will not be attractive. Get rid of straight lines. Use gently warped lines that allow the possibility of magic to exist, liberating us from the curse of perspective drawing. A world where even the horizon swells, dips and sways. And one more quote. Simple drawings feel warm and liberate the viewer. I want to steer the rudder towards simplicity and away from overly mature precision. So this results in an intense, dense production process. The resulting film is made up of over 170,000 hand-drawn frames, um, which is a record for Miyazaki film up to that point. Um, and the film finally comes out in July 2008. It was a box office smash in Japan. It doesn't quite hit the high of House Moving Castle or Spirited Away, etc. But it's still the 11th highest grossing film of all time at the Japanese box office. But I want to talk more about the American release for this one. It comes out in 2009 and is the first in Renan Ghibli movies that have distribution support from two mega producers, um, Kathleen Kennedy and Frank Marshall. This is before Kathleen Kennedy took over at Lucasfilm. So this is back when the Kennedy Marshall Company were working a lot with Steven Spielberg. So think about this time. This is 2008. This is just gearing up for Tintin, Mm. War Horse, and all those films. According to Toshio Suzuki, he was friends with Kennedy for years, and they'd always meet up for dinner and talk about movies, and and, and he brought her in specifically with this this, um, task of cracking America. Even though they're four or five films into this Disney deal, they were always quite small-scale releases, arthouse releases. They wanted this to be a big one. It's the Miyazaki movie for families. Let's make it a big hit. So Kathleen Kennedy comes in. I actually interviewed Kathleen Kennedy a few years ago, and she said the following about Hey Miyazaki. Good point to quote her. He is truly the most extraordinary animation talent in the world. He is, in a sense, the Steven Spielberg of animation. And my children used to watch his movies when they were young in Japanese. And much like Steven's movies, where you can turn the sound off because the imagery is so powerful, Miyazaki's storytelling is very much like that. I mean, that is so true of Spielberg mm-hmm. as well. Like, well, There's that great, um, great recut of Raiders done by Steven Soderbergh, oh, right. where he 
took all of the dialogue and sound out of Raiders of the Lost Ark, made it black and white, and then put the music of the social network over the top. Mm -hmm. But the way that Spielberg understands blocking and movement mm -hmm. and how to move the camera and propel the story along with it is all there. You don't, you don't need the sound to understand Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, exactly. And as the same with Miyazaki. And it's a very appropriate exchange because I, I believe it's in the late 1970s, we'll get to it eventually, Castle of Cagliostro, Hei Miyazaki's first film as director, um, was a, uh, an adventure caper with car chases and gunfights. And, and Steven Spielberg at that time said that that was, really inspired him. He really responded to that. And that would have been just around the time where he mm. started to make Raiders and the Indiana Jones movies in the 80s. But anyway, Kennedy and Marshall bring in Melissa Matheson, who wrote the script for E.T., set up to write the English-language screenplay, and the Pixar team, led by John Lasseter, direct the English-language dub, which arguably has the best cast of any Ghibli film. Um, Tina Fey, Liam Neeson, Lily Tomlin, Matt Damon, Kate Blanchett, some huge names mm. and huge voices involved. And the film is released on unprecedented 927 screens in the U.S., but building on the 20 or 30 that Spirited Away and Hell's Moving Castle were released on. And it makes a nice $15 million on release, <clears throat> making it at the time the highest grossing Ghibli in America, that is until Arietti from yep. a couple of episodes ago. And um, on our Howl's Moving Castle episode, um, I quoted Roger Rebert, who's always a big Ghibli fan mm. and, and champion, who was disappointed with Hell's Moving Castle. Well, he's back on board here. He gives Ponyo four out of four. Here's a quote. There's a word to describe Ponyo and that word is magical. Mm. This poetic, visually breathtaking work by the greatest of all animators has such deep charm that adults and children will both be touched. It's wonderful and never even seems to try. It unfolds fantastically. Fantastic, eh? But it doesn't get an Oscar nomination. This is an interesting one. It's the only Miyazaki movie after he wins for Spirited Away not to be nominated for Best Animated Feature. What a burn. Uh, exactly. However, would it would it make the what, cut? What's this he up a, against? This is a well, literally what he's up against. Um, up was the <laughs> film that won that year, but it was a really strong category, the best animated feature for the, um, the Oscars. Coraline, Fantastic Mr. Fox, The Princess and the Frog, The Secret of Kells, and Up. Um, Interesting. The Secrets of Kells is probably the one that was the outsider that year. That's the first film yeah, from the Cartoon well, Saloon. I, yeah, I was going to talk about those. Yeah, the Irish company that would make. Song of the Sea and mm. uh, The Breadwinner. Um, but that's quite a strong... And every film has a reason to be there. Two stop-motion films, one an art house film by you know, Wes Anderson, the return of t 2D animated Disney, the young up, you know, the, the up-and-coming Irish animation, and then Up, which was unstoppable that year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a lovely collection of films. Um, I think if we, if we could retroactively change it, I would maybe sub out Princess and the Frog for Ponyo, though. But did Ponyo need it, really, Jake? Yeah, that's true. Let's see what you think. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So, Jake, this is our sixth Miyazaki film so far, following on from Princess Mononoke, Spirited Away, and Howl's Moving Castle. What did you make of Ponyo? I really liked Ponyo. I, oh. I really loved it. Um, so I've been on, chronologically speaking, a bit of a downward trajectory for Miyazaki, for me anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, like that high is Totoro. Um, and I love Porco Rosso. Um, and Princess Mononoke didn't do much for me. I like half of Howl's Moving Castle. So like, it has steadily been mm-hmm. a decline. And when you said to me before we recorded that it's returning back to a children's film. It's returning mm-hmm. to the likes of Totoro. That got me so excited. And it doesn't, I, nothing's ever going to hit that high point. But this is the closest he's come. I think this is really brilliant stuff. It's the kind of film, as with Totoro, that I don't have kids, but the one that you dream of saving and sharing mm-hmm. with them and sharing with other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, got, it's so warm-hearted, so beautifully animated, it's really tight. I think it's just over 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing in there that doesn't need to be there stylistically. Narratively, there is some stuff that I know like, that I would get rid of. But even the stuff that doesn't work for me from a storytelling perspective, it looks so amazing that you'd mm. almost forgive it. Yeah. So did you pick up on this sense that it was a hand-drawn film? House Moving Castle was one when they were wielding the might of CGI to create that moving castle. This one... In, in some ways, the most experimental Ghibli today. Mm. Um, I, why I picked up on this looks different, this looks really stunning. The backgrounds seem to be drawn in pencil mm-hmm. and then the foregrounds or the animated elements are harder or have harder lines but are softer in terms of their palette and uh, they have less less of a shade to them, they're flatter images. Um and that totally worked for me. It wasn't like um, in those CGI films where the techniques emerging, where it feels like the two planes aren't existing on the same level. Here, you have actually two quite different styles, but perhaps because they are done by hand, mm. they totally merge as yeah. well, even though they are so obviously different. Well, it's almost polystylist as well. The way you know, the the big blocky colours of of the underwater sequences and when you first meet Ponyo, the, the fact that she's drawn almost with only a handful of lines mm. and then you have these amazing hand-drawn backdrops on land. This was the first um, credit, well, solo credit for background artist and art director Noburo Yoshida and he was known at Ghibli for, for you know, being loose in the way he drew. He would use wonky lines um, to, to have that hand-drawn feel. But also, in colouring, he used crayons. 
and th- that that's fits background. This, yeah, for the yeah. backgrounds for the for the for for the kids for this kids movie. That's a great little touch. Mm. Um, but it does result in this amazing collision of of styles and approaches. Yeah. And, and maybe if your background artist is working like that, maybe you are actually making a world that is more inviting for kids because mm-hmm. it feels like. It's a world that they could create mm. if you're working with crayon and simple lines like mm-hmm. that. And maybe that's why it was such a family success. But it's so, it's like deceptively intricate as well, isn't it? Like, it's so much hard work to make something look simple. Mm-hmm. Like, the opening 12 seconds had 1,600 concept drawings <laughs> before they got yeah. anything down, mm-hmm. which is mad. But all of that effort pays off. It does. It'd be, I'd, I'd really suggest looking at this, these backgrounds in particular, not to go back to the backgrounds too much, but put them side by side with the backgrounds in Totoro with, with Kazuo, Kazuo Oga, who was the Ghibli background artist for many years. Put them side by side, they're so different. This mm-hmm. is almost much more like a kid's storybook mm. rather than architectural drawings. Yeah. Uh, but then talk about, let's, let's talk about the sea. This yeah. is what Miyazaki really wanted to crack, the sea as the principal character. Yeah. So you have this sense of waves being monsters in the way that we've had gloopy men or soot sprites and so on. He's, he's approaching that, uh, using that approach with the sea. Yeah, um, I think the sea is fascinating in this film. And... I just want to make, uh, get people to maybe Google the poster for Ponyo. Mm. And I'll be amazed if you don't instantly think of Finding Nemo. Mm. In the little hint of orange amongst the blue waves, and even the titles, like the style of the font of it, is really in that Finding Nemo territory. Um, and it got me thinking, right, here are two animation studios who within five or six years of each other, both completely do something absolutely brand new with how the sea is animated in extremely different ways but they're also working together in a loose way as well Mm -hmm. um and the sea in this is fantastic um it it does come to life the the wizard turns them into these these real creatures um and they're they're almost like woodblock carvings Mm. um and i initially thought I mean, is there's a Hokusai influence on here of the Great Wave because that feeling of it, I, I don't even quite know how to put it. It's almost like they're etchings mm-hmm. at times. They're really stunning. Well, this is the first Ghibli film. Maybe they, they, they went down this avenue of uh, perfect animation for so long, hand-drawn animation and getting more and more refined. This is the first Ghibli film I can think of that has pencil exaggeration lines when something when something's being poured into a cup you have these like pencil strokes it's almost like a manga again mm. um, it's really fascinating but then also the character designs are so loose you know we've talked before about transformation being a central part of Miyazaki's filmmaking we've talked about how Isao Takahata um, has a looser approach to that this feels almost like halfway between yeah, there's, with Ponyo there's, in particular there's quite a few risks here that I wouldn't have expected of the Miyazaki that we left uh, Howl's Moving Castle mm-hmm. and that was really invigorating to see um, and the the stylization of Ponyo and, and that free form made me think of the Tanuki in Pompoko that mm-hmm. it's relatively loose how they appear on screen but at all times we're connected to them it doesn't quite matter she could be a fish she could be this strange half bird 
at points. I think in interviews, Miyazaki calls that her amphibian form, right. which I don't really see as amphibian. Maybe yeah. kind of half frog, half bird. It is, it is an odd yeah. one. Um, but even then, she's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, she is animated. In, I, I couldn't, I don't know enough about animation to tell you why, but there's something about the way that she moves that is just hypnotic. Mm-hmm. There are some of the best moments of the film, just takeaway bits that you'll remember, where is where you'll just see a joyous Ponyo running on top of a wave yeah. and chasing after them in the car. And just, she, the um, the patter of her feet, mm-hmm. I don't know what's happening in the sound design, there, but it suddenly feels like you're hearing running in a completely different way than you've heard it before. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing it in a different way. Uh, and that must be down to the fact, as you said, they always need to be moving for you to engage with them. Uh, it's not like the old... Uh, Disney, like Robin Hood, right? Where we can steal a frame from the Jungle Book, yeah. and that can just sit in the background, and we can only just we can just put a new head on it, and that will work. And if we don't move the rest of the body, we can do it on the cheap, mm-hmm. and maybe that makes less engaging characters. Here, we because of it's all about movement all the time, uh, but not in a frenetic way. Mm-hmm. It's really precise. These are all things that they're experimenting with, maybe slightly different production processes but then there's so much that's familiar about this film as well mm. we've talked before in my Totoro about Miyazaki looking for the magic in the everyday and this is the film where I think you have the most everyday and the most magical moments side by side mm. there's uh, this whole sequence where Ponyo as a, as a human girl go, meets with Sosuke and Lisa and they have that evening where there's a power cut and the storm is raging outside and they have honey tea and they have ramen instant noodles. Mm. And it's just so wonderful because you're seeing it through Ponyo's eyes. It's almost the flip. In Totoro, you're seeing a dusty old house through the eyes of children. In this, you're seeing a children's world through the eyes of a magical fish who turns into a girl who wants to be human. Yeah. It's quite wonderful. And we've, we've mentioned ham. Oh, she loves ham. It's so sweet. Um, uh, the I've never known more excitement over ham. It's just lovely, isn't it? Considering it is po- possibly the most mundane of the foodstuffs yeah. in Ghibli so far. It's not tempura. No, no. Um, <laughs> but that's what makes it great, is that for her, the human world is so exciting that the most boring cut of meat is just incredible. Well, it's also such a straightforward life hack of a meal because mm. she's because Lisa pours instant noodles into one of those little ramen bowls and then sneaks in a hard-boiled egg and a slice of ham mm. and then Ponyo's flipping out. Yeah. <laughs> and she literally flips. She oh these bits where she like her movement again doing these backflips in the bucket. Like, <laughs> just so satisfying to watch. Mm-hmm. Um and something along with the the, the treatment that Ponyo has for the human world um, I love the adults treatment of the children's world mm. and I think that there's a representation of how I wish more adults in films would treat the world of children mm. in, a, in kids films so often we might see uh, if we were watching another type of film perhaps not by Ghibli and there was a kid who's made friends with a fish girl and we need to use her magic to restore balance to the world. That's a mad thing. And the, a parent might just completely brush that off or uh, kind of engage with it in quite a patronizing, leaning down with your hands on your knees mm-hmm. type way. But here, Lisa, a brilliant character, 
is totally on board with it yeah. and just completely takes in Ponyo, is very happy to take them seriously with what they need to do. Same with some of the adults later on in the film. When Sozuke and Ponyo have to get in a boat mm-hmm. uh, to go and save uh, Lisa and some old women at the old folks' home, none of the other old people say, you can't do that, or why are you sailing in a boat? You're five. <laughs> it's just like, best of luck. Go do it. Yeah, yeah. you're the hero. Smash mm-hmm. it. <laughs> I love so Lisa. This is Lisa is one of the best characters Miyazaki's ever made in my in my mind. There's, there are much broader characters, much more attention grabbing characters. Not least the underwater dandy in the underwater world mm. uh, wizard, who's played by Liam Neeson in the dub. Another sexy David Bowie. Another sexy David Bowie type glam creation. Um, but Lisa is very much in that tradition of Kiki, of Chihiro, of uh, Theo from uh, Porco Rosso. These, but an older version. Mm. What what would happen to those characters when they're in their thirties? She's yeah. so, or maybe late twenties. I imagine she's so full of personality and character. She, you get such an interiority. The way that she licks the ice cream. The way that she's barreling around corners. I love how Miyazaki um, animates cars. We'll come back to um, the likes of his 80s movies where there would be car chases and spectacle like that. This is, Just simply driving around the island has that sense of wonky, wobbly uh, you know, spectacle. Uh, mm. That's getting back to that. But Lisa is just fantastic, especially when she grabs the, the Morse code lamp to, to, to chew out her boyfriend, husband, the father figure anyway. Uh, she's just incredible. I, yeah. I love her. Um, but yes, later in the film, we do have this sequence where Ponyo and Sasuke go out in their toy boat that's been enlarged. Yes, so I just want to point out that the enlarged toy boat with its mechanism of a giant candle burning up a piece of metal, that's a better scale joke than anything in Ariete. Yes, exactly. And I love the way that she clasps her hands together and just shoots them out to the side to make things enlarge, especially when she's too tired to actually do it later on. Um, and they also meet the grumpiest baby in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those great one-scene uh, Miyazaki creations up there. Yeah. We talk about Jiffy Tech, the, 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 the gifts of, uh, of, of Studio Ghibli, and that's one of them, that grumpy baby. Mm. I've definitely been in that mood before. Yeah, and now that you've got a little baby, I'm sure you're very familiar with that face. He is so grumpy. Uh, but Jake, we need to talk about the plot, really. Yes. Um, this is something that if this was just a boy meets a magical fish girl and there's a storm and he has to go and find his mum... If it was like that, if you think about Totoro, they, f- yeah. they meet a woodland spirit, their mum's in hospital, the little sister goes missing, and the woodland spirit helps them find the girl. Yeah. If it was that simple, this would be a perfect film. I was going to say exactly the same thing, yeah. Um, there's a, almost a touch of the marvel to this, uh, mm-hmm. in that the world needs to be at stake. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was where I, I it just kind of dropped the ball for me, uh, where you've got the the wizard father of Ponyo under the sea and all of his magic his magic well is dispersed all at once and the, 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 I don't quite know there's some really bad exposition oh um, if my magical well overflows the world's going to be at stake yeah. and it overflows literally the next scene yeah um, and the moon is getting dragged towards the waves and it's going to cause these tidal waves and all and, the way through they're like oh the only way to save the world would be if Sosuke and Ponyo pass the test mm. And then in the end, it's just the test is, would you like Ponyo if she was a... F- do, you, do you like her because she's a girl or would you like her if she was a fish? And it's like, yeah, I like Ponyo. And there they so go. So of course a five-year-old is like, do you like your friend? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
and we talk about Miyazaki endings. And I didn't remember this as being as stark as Howl's Moving Castle kissing the turnip head turning into the prince or Spirited Away. They weren't the pigs after all, hooray. Um, this has that where Grandmama just really goes, wipes her hand uh, mm. and says, everything's fixed. Yeah. Go back to the surface. It has a great final shot and a really wonderful telescopic ending. Yes. Where um, you talk about flipping, the fish Ponyo jumps out of his hand, flips over, kisses him, turns into the girl, and then we have that telescopic wipe to finish. It's I really love wonderful. it. I can I let it have that. That it works me. That luckily they're not they're not talking to each other or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just that little moment. Did you watch the credits? No, I didn't. I'd recommend going back and watching the credits because what's wonderful about the credits in this movie is that every person that worked on the film is individually credited and they have a little caricature next to their name. Oh. Uh, so you can, in the English language subtitled version, we get the English language credits. So it's all of the names, including like H. Miyazaki, buried really deep <laughs> in. It's a little sketch of a, of a grumpy pig. <laughs> But and you can find Yona Bayashi, he's in there, Toshio Suzuki's in there, all these names that we've been talking about over mm. the series with a little caricature next to them. I'd recommend checking that out, Jake. Oh, lovely, yeah. We'll have to go back and check that out. Um, and it's time to do the really the credit section of our show, which is when we uh, have to put this one on the leaderboard and figure out where you're going to rank it with all the others, Michael. So, Jake, the leaderboard is getting quite big now. Yeah. Um, th- is it worth doing a recap now that we're maybe coming to the end of this second batch of films? Yes, let's do that before I put the film in. So, reverse order from 11 down, The Cat Returns, Arietti, Howl's Moving Castle, Pompoco, Only Yesterday, Spirited Away, Porco Rosso, Princess Mononoke, Grave of the Fireflies, My Neighbor Totoro, and then in the top spot, Whisper of the Heart, the film of my heart. <laughs> So Ponyo, we talked about this here, it's so fantastic, it's experimental. This uh, It's wonderful to see Miyazaki trying new things or revisiting old things mm. in these late films. It is a little bit hamstrung. That's it, like, there is so much I really love about it, mm-hmm. but I can. it was too easy, in a way, to find the imperfections mm-hmm. that makes it not, as we would say, like that top tier. So I think this will be nestled in between Spirited Away and Only Yesterday. So this will now go into the seventh place, um, which we need to introduce tears. Maybe in the next batch yeah. world we'll do this so we don't have to go through every film every time. But this is really up there. On a scale with Spirited Away where it's full of so much magic, but there are a few plot issues for mm. me that stop me from being full cat heart eyes emoji over it. <laughs> uh, whereas I think... This top five block is looking better every time we go through. Porco Rosso, Princess Mononoke, Grave of the Fireflies, Totoro and Whisper of the Heart. I mean, I mean, yeah, well, I wouldn't have Mononoke there, but the rest of them. You'd have only yesterday. Oh, there, yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, yeah, we could switch that out, maybe. Um, maybe listeners might find out what my list would be soon as well. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah. But Jake, this we've come to the end of this second batch of films. Yeah. Um, Hopefully we'll be back soon, though. I, yeah. I, I can't resist these films. It's hard. After the first series, I had to stop watching them, and mm-hmm. I got myself into a lovely routine. <laughs> You've got to practice abstinence in the gaps, Jake, until we meet again. But we hope you've enjoyed your time in the Ghibliotech. We'll be back soon. Yeah. Um, before we go, we have to say a humongous thank you to Silk Factory for helping to make this second series of the podcast. Uh, we're recording in Soho for hopefully not the last time. 
but it has been a pleasure, hasn't it? It really has been a pleasure. Of course, Silk Factory don't just make podcasts. They're a full-blown film marketing creative agency. And they also make trailers and content for TV, digital and social platforms. Yeah, check out their work at thesilkfactory.co. And if you want to check out more from me and Jake, you can follow us on Twitter. Jake is at Jake H. Cunningham. And Michael is at Michael J. Leader. Bibliotech is a Little Dot Studios production. We record at Silk Factory. Our music is made by Anthony Ng, our artwork is by Sophie Moe, and Steph Watts helps us out with all of our GIFs, images, and anything else we post online. The show is produced by Michael Leader, Jake Cunningham, Steph Watts, and Harold McShiel. That's me. I do the voiceover for the credits as well. Hi everyone, thank you for sticking through the credits. I thought I'd end this series with a slightly different tidbit from the usual. This is a moment from another film entirely, and a non-Ghibli one at that. In 2017, director Masaki Yuasa released a film called Lou Over the Wall, which was about a lad in a seaside town bonding with a magical fish girl, causing a natural disaster in the process. Sound familiar? Well, it might look familiar too. There's a sequence where the town is flooded, and you can clearly see Sosuke and his mum swimming through the watery landscape. The film's pretty good too, so check it out. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.